Sportcast. The Tag Digital Podcast. Squadcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squadcast. If you haven't listened before, the Squadcast is a podcast by the team here at Tag Digital that is jam-packed with the latest trends, tips, insights and developments from the world of event PPC marketing. As we mentioned last week, for season two, Johnny and I have invited a few of our colleagues and industry connections to get involved as guest hosts. And this week, we're delighted to welcome Tag's very own Laura Davidson. She's going to be sitting down with Michelle Fanis, founder of The Conference Director, to discuss the monetization of digital audiences and how you can use these audiences to generate more revenue. Squadcast. The Tag Digital Podcast. Listen to the Squadcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Squadcast. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us today on the Tag Digital Podcast. Um, my name is Laura and I'm one of the directors and this is my first time doing the, the podcast so thank you for being my first guest on my first podcast. Um, do you want to give us a bit of an intro to who you are and what you're up to just now um, and yeah, tell us all about you. So I'm Michelle, Michelle Fannis, the founder of The Conference Director. Uh, what am I doing at the moment? So my background is uh, research topic generation, um, hot topic generation, target market research, events and conference strategy, a uh, little bit of training and mentoring. So all in the conference and the event space. Great. And yeah, and Tag Digital, um, for anyone that listens regularly, knows that we provide um, event marketing to event organisers, all using paid media. Um, so we've come together with Michelle to kind of share best practice and tips and kind of keeping it all around the theme of monetization of digital audiences, generating revenue, and how do we kind of turn that to our virtual and hybrid events. Um, I guess we've come from and do a lot of in-person and like everybody now we're moving to a much larger percentage of virtual and hybrid events. So the chat amongst our organisers is how do we monetize? How do we, you know, get attendance high? How do we create really engaging content? Um, so hopefully we can cover some of those today and create some really nice tips for our organisers um, and listeners. Um, so let's kick off then with kind of some of the things maybe that you're seeing, Michelle, in terms of organisers, what are they asking about or what do you think they need to be aware of when they're planning their virtual or hybrid events? Because I guess now we've got a bit more long-term planning happening, whereas everyone was maybe scrambling a couple of months ago. But I feel like now we're looking at, okay, we're going to be doing virtual for a long time and hybrid will be part of that fabric. So what are you kind of seeing on the, the planning side? think for virtual, 100% virtual events, people are now realising that you can't sort of copy-paste the um, live experience. So what I mean by that is you can't sort of translate a two-day conference into, into a two-day online event. That just 
that just won't work so we have to have ways of slicing and dicing our content to so it can be um engaged with you know whether it's a four day a two-day conference then becomes um four half day sessions over a number of weeks so it's about sort of being mindful of how people absorb online content that's what i'll say around the virtual side so there's a realization around that and um and working that out but actually you need to slice and dice your content and drip feed it rather than try and deliver it all in one go and then from a hybrid point of view it's now what i'm finding with clients with now saying that actually okay lots of people have now adjusted to the whole virtual space and now how do we wean them off of that <laughs> how do we wean them off of um of the virtual and, and draw them back into the live environment so um, conversations are around star quality um speakers and hard to um replicate live experiences so people feel compelled to attend the live event so we're kind of going back to where we started um, and then those that are also creating a sort of dual experience so that those that really really cannot travel or um you know for health reasons or you know you know their, their companies are really not um, allowing for travel then creating that virtual experience as well so that, that may be because of the region that I'm working in. I'm re working in the Middle East. So they're kind of a little bit further a, a, a ahead in terms of planning around for live events. They're, they're planning for the live experience so, uh, into yeah, 2021. Sure. Yeah. yeah, we have our first events in the Middle East kind of November and December this year. And I think it's, there's definitely, yeah, a bit, a bit further ahead in terms of what's happening. And as long as the kind of safety protocols are in place, you know, as live as possible, but with a, a kind of virtual element as well. Um, I think um, one of the things that we've seen is trying to retain that same value around the event. So I think quite quickly we saw maybe um, some devaluation almost of virtual or hybrid or just not kind of having that same emphasis as they would a live event. Whereas I guess we've been coming at it from the point of view is if you're providing the same value to your customers, then it should be the same, you know, cost for exhibiting or, or sponsoring the event. Whereas I think that was something we quite quickly saw people do. But, you know, in this world, as long as you can provide the exposure and the leads and all the things that your customers are expecting, there's no reason for it to be devalued. But I feel like there was this assumption quite quickly that that should happen. Um, so, yeah, I think if you can demonstrate that kind of connectivity between your audience and your event whatever the format that gives you a little bit of a buffer i think rather than maybe discounting which i think we saw in the beginning on. yeah you're right and what you said i pick up on the point that you said about um delivery of the audience i think that's going to be key i mean as long as you've got the track record of delivering an audience that essentially is what exhibitors and sponsors are after and don't i i i've all I, from the beginning of lockdown i've sort of been writing a lot about this that that whole piece around don't feel hemmed into having to deliver an audience in one sitting so the live event um asset in itself can be sort of 
um, drip fed over a period. So I think there's a mindset shift here, I, I think, in my opinion. There needs to be a mindset shift here around what, what, what are we delivering for our exhibitors and our sponsors? You know, in the old days or pre-lockdown, it would have been X thousand number of visitors or certain number of visits to one's website or whatever. And how can that be that now um, translated into um, um, interactions what kind of different interactions can we promise or guarantee to our exhibitors? And that isn't necessarily um, downloads or visits to one's virtual booth. It's all sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. And I think there, there needs to be sort of a mind shift around that. But that's also about how you view your content as an organiser. The, the content that you deliver at an event or an exhibition or a seminar can be sliced and diced into all sorts of different things and then that can then translate into interactions that you promise to your exhibitors or partners you know those people that are your partners your commercial partners definite mindset yeah. shift i think yeah yeah i think so it's about going back to what do your audience actually want you know what do they want out of the event and how can you deliver that objective back to them? So some are gonna want leads, some are gonna want exposure, some are gonna want access to great content. And I think it's finding ways to do that. You know, some will be in person and, and some will be virtual, um, which I think is, is really interesting. And like you say, yes, slicing your content, we're working with a really interesting client just now called COGX, who were traditionally a very large uh, machine learning conference. Uh, annually and what they've done is kind of one large virtual event but then split down their content into weekly smaller events amazing live streams great quality speakers really high kind of um, sponsorship opportunities um, and I think it's been really interesting to see how you take that really valuable content and maybe break that out for the rest of the year for instance um, until you're able to, to get back up and, and do a live event. Exactly. Yeah, it's about knowing, precisely as you said, it's about knowing what your audience want. And once you know what your audience want, you can deliver the, that to them in all sorts of different formats, some of which is monetized, some of which it isn't monetized. It's, it's up to you mm -hmm. how you decide to do that, where, what your object, overall objectives are, whether it's audience reach or um, database swell or, or, or what, what whatever. But yeah, it's like it comes down to knowing what your audience want and what yeah. ultimately what they'll pay for. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the other interesting things we've seen on the, the planning side is we are still seeing much lower media costs. So that's been really good for us and for our clients when they're in a bit more of a challenging budget time. That cost per click is still down right now. So it means that they're able to kind of start to generate registrations or downloads or just build data but not have maybe the cost that they did last year so I feel like that's been one of the kind of wins to come out of all of this um, and it allows them to I mean some of them are getting registrations at about half the price that they were last year so I feel like that's a benefit you know on the probably more on the virtual slash hybrid side that they're getting more geographical reach lower cost per acquisition and a bit more bang for their buck which is I guess what everybody needs just now so I feel that that's helping people in the the planning phase just now too. Definitely I mean the geographic reach I mean as a producer I mean it's, it's, it's super exciting because it, it, it now means that actually you can go after people that you probably would never have uh, mm -hmm. got in the past because they don't have to move 
you know you don't have exactly. to pay for flights they don't have to you know there's no commitment in terms of days out of their diaries and things like that so you know top level speakers and hard to reach speakers are now more accessible and that also enhances your content and your your sponsorship piece and your proposition you know it all comes back to who you can get and um, you know how much access you can guarantee to them as well yeah, the international yeah. reach is is everything for this whole virtual piece. I think if we've learnt nothing oh, else, it's it's that. Yeah. yeah, we can swell our audiences yeah. and our and our geographies and cross those boundaries. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I see things like um, another client of ours is Money Twenty Twenty, and you know you've got this super premium conference that you know only a few countries typically will will go to each year, but now anybody anywhere can go to their virtual event for free so it's like been a thank you to the community which you know I think it helps with your database but it's also just I don't know great from a kind of brand point of view really really strong speakers good content build your database and kind of get in a, a good position for next year um, so thinking about some of the conversations that you're having just now with clients and, um, and prospects what do you think are some of the main pain points for event marketers just now? I think um, content is going to be a challenge. I know that they they want good content because obviously marketers know what good content sounds like and feels like and they can get their arms around it and package it and market it. So I think it's internally trying to get that that that, that across you know, that we really, really need to have content that's engaging, content that we know that's going to resonate with our audiences. Um, and then there's the um, the challenge of budgets sometimes as well. You know, they're wanting yeah. to, because the events are free, sometimes internally there's this sort of a mindset that if the event's free, then we don't need to pay for advertising or we don't need to pay for marketing when that's kind of the opposite. The opposite is true. Um, and then what I alluded to earlier about um, shooting, us, shooting ourselves in the foot with the whole virtual thing. So we've marketed the hell out of virtual attendance. So when it comes to attending live, then we have the challenge of now selling the live experience. So because it's yeah. so e it's been so easy for people to just log on. Why, why would they leave their desks now you know and I think that that's the conversations I'm having when we're, we're at the sort of programming stage with a couple of projects I'm working on and we're saying well we've got to go big here we've got to make it so compelling that actually they feel that they really do need to attend we've got to create that live experience that is compelling again um not make it easy for them to attend online <laughs> Because that's essentially sometimes the sweetener for our sponsors and our exhibitors. We've managed to get through the, the, this whole lockdown with the virtual experience. But now we want to return back to the hybrid in life because we all know that there's nothing that beats that. Yeah, you know, yeah you're going to sure. sign your deals and, you know, give, 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 give um, contracts to suppliers and shake a speaker's hand that you've just listened to you can't do that virtually and that's the sort of thing that we need to convey mm, totally and have you got any examples of stuff that's happening that you think is really exciting or compelling that you think yeah that would get my bum off the seat to go to an event nothing I can share <laughs> uh, so, so I mean one of the projects I'm working on we've got 
a few heads of state come in. So okay. that's exciting. I can't say now because it's not released. Once we've released the dates and it's out in open, then I can say more. But yeah, that's very exciting. And also just creating those, all of those different types of concepts, live concepts that you just can't get virtually. So things like... Um, you know, face-to-face dating, um, de- um, all sorts of different... I can't really say very much because we've got we've branded them yeah. as such as well. So just oh, different really? experiences that you can't really get virtually. And, and, and obviously the brainstorm was around that. Let's create experiences that we can't... You cannot yeah. have online. Uh, yeah. So I can't really say very much, but... Um, no, I mean, if I talk sort of in more in, in, in into hindsight, there are a couple of, there was a brilliant, this is re- completely left field and not conferency or businessy at all. But I did a, a virtual um, um, pampering afternoon. Oh, and that really? was amazing. Yeah, so we went off. It was really good. We had a tailor-made experience, um, all sort of, took my skin type and all of that I had to go off and buy all of my ingredients for I had to make all of my um, face packs and that was so much fun and if we could translate that into the conference space and the event space I think it'd be very very compelling you know oh, yeah. it's gonna that, be was, that was fun that was loads of fun I mean Which... it's different as well completely completely different because of the whole experience of having to go off and get all the ingredients and it's a little bit of an adventure so that was very cool That's and I, I also enjoyed the the FT was one of the first organisations, FT Live to do virtual and online events and uh, I attended their global boardroom which is their um, high level brand for economic development and they, I was so impressed by what they did. And they've sort of set that benchmark for me. Broadcast quality delivery. Yeah. Um, lots of sort of inter- interchanging between sort of live and pre-recorded material. Um, they had this really interesting sort of sponsor jingle that came in and out. A bit like sort of the ra- a radio style thing going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, lot, lots of notes and lots of lessons around how to do it. Because I think they really set a yeah. really high yeah. a high bar there. Brilliant. They had great attendance Very good quality. Well. But they did. Yeah. <laughs> Eye-watering numbers. <laughs> oh, very good. I know. I, I saw... Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be about experiential, touching, doing, people. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of fun to be had at events. I feel like everyone is just desperate to get out and have like a good time again. Um, so I, I, I think that next year um, will be when everybody's kind of um, really having a good time, doing business, but having fun at the same time. So hopefully that's what we can look forward to next year. Um, so some of the pain points I guess that we've been seeing you know kind of similar to what you're saying is how do we drive attendance with less resource uncertainty from exhibitors or just finding the right solution for exhibitors I think finding new data and new audiences is always a challenge but that's actually been a little easier possibly with virtual and, and hybrid 
Um, and then I guess just overall pivoting, you know, to a, diff- a different business model. And it's funny, you know, we've so often we're like biggest numbers, get, you know, as many as we possibly can. We need to beat last year. And actually now it's more about restricted capacity and um, quality is more important than ever. Um, and it's just kind of changing that mindset, I think, which has been a, a huge shift for us and, and for our clients. We've been kind of surveying everyone so that we fully understand those challenges. And some stuff's the same, you know, converting your pre-reg to attendees. We noticed at the beginning of lockdown, very, very good attendance rates on all the virtual events. And actually as time went on, I think people kind of adjusted and there was much just kind of in line really with what you'd see for a live event. So that's been an interesting one for us. Um, And we're looking at different ways to push attendance. So running countdown ads, reminder campaigns, having hidden exclusive content, all of that kind of thing, I think is kind of continues to push that that attendance. Do you find that sort of the whole um, pre-event sort of speaker interviews, do you find that you have good, do you have good take up for that? Because I tend to find that that tends to work very well as well. A little bit of an insight, some teasers around, you know, what they're going to expect to hear from the session and things like that. I think stuff like that works very well, especially if you can introduce, you know, a fairly abstract idea or concept or just something that people think about. I remember we did a campaign for New Scientist Live and the video content was very straightforward. It was people, you know, just the speakers at home, but they were, they had sessions like, why are roller coasters fun? You know, and it was just an introduction to a session like that. And I think if you could just create that snippet that is, interesting enough that reaches your audience then I feel like those work very well you know especially if you've got that kind of industry celebrity um, or or well known in the space then you know that's going to get a a kind of engaged audience just from that but yeah I think if you can introduce an interesting topic I think one of the other things we've seen work quite well on, on the virtual side is if you kind of can engage that virtual audience. So if you're running the hybrid event, how do you engage that virtual audience? And we've seen people kind of bringing on the guests, like the the attendees. So they introduce, um, they're chatting, they're doing their, their session. And then as the questions come in, they kind of flip the questions to the audience. Um, and I feel like that was a really good way to keep the virtual audience engaged. And I think that'll be more important for the hybrid events too that they feel as part of the event as they possibly can um yeah it's interesting you mentioned that yeah yeah so it's a good point because again that was also in our uh has been in our discussions around well you know we don't want to make it all about the live delegates and forget about the 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 virtual ones we really it really is about you have to have um this sort of two track you have to sort of i guess you have to create it around um user design concept of two streams you know like where you've got consecutive sessions happening one live and one virtual and see where they converge and then you also have to have quite a good um quite a good um moderator as well and facilitator mc that can kind of 
going between the two. The, the FT did that really well as well. You have to have really good moderators, I think. Uh, a, a bit like, well, that's what they do in broadcast all the time. I think we've got a lot to learn from TV broadcasting because they have to engage the audience that's in front of them, but then they also have to talk to the audience that have tuned in as well. And that's sort of the way we, we're, the way we need to do it. Um, don't talk to them yeah. as though they're two separate tracks because they're not, but they you have to engage them slightly differently, you know. Yeah, I think that's true. And going back to what you said about the broadcast quality, I think that makes a huge difference. We're involved in an event in a couple of weeks and, you know, we're going to have like a studio environment to do it. And I think the right light, the right sound gives as professional a feeling to anyone that's, that's joining remotely or speaking remotely as opposed to like laptop up the nose, which we've definitely seen lots of. Yeah, dedicated studio space is definitely the way to go. It's worth investing in that extra you know, money in doing that, you know, and then get the yeah. speakers in and, and, and them doing a bit. And also there's an element of sponsorship that's that's around that as well that can you can wrap. Exactly. Yeah. That leads on actually to what I was thinking we can move on to next in terms of um how do we ensure that we're still providing value to exhibitors and sponsors? Have you got any examples of that or anything you think people are doing differently or coming back just to what the audience needs and delivering it yeah i mean ask the expert um coffee with blah blah you know things like that just all sorts of different language around an opportunity around one-to-one engagement i think that's what sponsors and exhibitors are after they, they want that time with the their potential delegates or their potential um clients with time to sort of explore so any any opportunities that you can give them to either be showcased or have that one-on-one time or networking opportunity will do that um so yeah so play around with your content play around with formats and and again that the event i'm thinking of we we've, we've done that and come up with some really interesting ways of engaging with we've, we've given them fun, funky names and stuff like that i really can't say much but yeah um they've all got sort of nice names to, that that really you've got to you've got to do that brainstorm um you have to do that brainstorm uh, exercise of different ways that you can you know what are you get getting under what is it that the exhibitors are coming for and what will they pay more for as well how can you kind of upgrade them and make whatever interaction you're delivering to them more attractive Mm. yeah i think one of the things that we've found kind of across our clients is event organizers are sitting on this kind of enormous wealth of data that really gets kind of used once twice a year for live events and now what we're seeing is organizers thinking about how do we monetize this data year round so we're um, running lots of audience extension campaigns so essentially it allows organizers to resell their website retargeting list their similar audience list you know any first party data that they've got and monetize all of that data so essentially they are connecting their audience with the sponsor when the event happens whether it's live hybrid or virtual but they can also run it year round so it's something that I think people have wanted to do for quite a long time but it was never really a priority and everyone would get so busy with the events whereas now 
they're thinking we've got this huge amount of data how do we how do we monetize it so i feel like that's been an area that we've seen very fast growth and innovation across maybe running that across six different organizers a couple of hundred brands now um and i and i don't think it would have happened had this not all happened but it makes complete sense for organizers to run it so i feel like that's been a a great way to drive value for the exhibitors and sponsors and then you can do that, you know, if there's an event happening or, or for some organisers there just isn't events happening, you know, so it gives them an opportunity to drive a little bit of revenue just now until they kind of get back on their feet. So I feel like that's been a really interesting kind of innovation across um, across our clients just now. Um, and then I guess just the last thing to think about um, how do you think that we, you and, and me, can make our event organisers' lives a bit easier? What do you think we can do to kind of take the pressure off just now to make their lives easier? I think, you know, obviously this webinar is really good because it's tips, tricks, sharing of um, experiences that I've, I've found that over the last few months it's been amazing to listen to stories so I think what you and I can do is garner, you know, some of the examples that you've given and some of the examples that I've given, I mean, uh, is, 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 is getting those clients to talk about it, talk about what they've done and what their wins have been in a little bit more or, or, or getting that granular detail from them and then perhaps maybe sharing that in another in another time or another space, whether it's writing or a one-to-one webinar with those clients. I think sharing of stories has been fantastic. Uh, it's great to for that to come through us as the consultants or, you know, the, the uh, deliverer of those services. But directly from those clients is also be, would also be valuable, I think. Mm-hmm. And then also um, just... Yeah, just letting them know that we, we, we're here to help and we're here to um, listen and share and that, that they need to be more, um, rely on us a little bit more. Yeah, don't kind of yeah. suffer in silence, I suppose, is what is what I'm saying. Because we're not alone. That's one of the things that's quite unique about the situation. So we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat, aren't we? But obviously the ones that, share compare notes huddle you know you know and 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 um copy each other or you know because you can if they're in different industry sectors you can do the same you know you can lend people's ideas and apply them to your your own event it's it's quite easy if you're in different sectors so the comparing of notes i think is really important and then and then obviously us you and i who cut across lots of different clients in lots of different sectors i've got eyes and ears all everywhere so we can sort of see what different people are doing so mm-hmm. yeah and i agree i think it's about nobody has a huge amount of context right now so anything that you can do to help someone feel like a little more grounded or we saw this example or don't worry those numbers look fine like just a little bit around benchmarking or context or like it's all it's all going to be okay kind of thing I feel like people have really responded well just to that information and yeah like you say just sharing of information being vulnerable you know taking a leaf out of 
Renee Brown's book and just kind of having that openness and human connection I think is is making everyone's life a little bit more bearable just now um, and just yeah like you say helping doing the heavy lifting taking stuff on and not you know having to ask a million questions and that's what we always are trying to think is how do we make this as low touch as possible like everyone's just so busy we're back to back on zoom calls all day and it's just crazy how how packed everyone's schedules are so anything that you can do that someone thinks amazing I don't need to think about that today I feel like is just the refreshing yeah just that's getting done and I don't need to think about it that's great um, and I think everyone just needs that little bit of a break from somebody else just now, don't they? Yeah. And then also I was going to say around, um, you know, we all need to sort of be talking as well cr- across different, you know, areas. So I'm talking to my colleagues in marketing. I'm talk- talking to my colleagues in IT. I'm talking to my colleagues in ops, you know, to just sort of find out oh, what are you up to? And it's just keeping the conversation going and comparing notes and sharing all the time so what you know it doesn't matter what the conversation is it could be you know what can we do around safety protocols and because you know we've listened I've listened so much on <laughs> you know safety protocols nothing to do with me because I'm about content but it's just about being curious about the whole thing you know and then offering that you know, oh, well, you know, have you seen this webinar or, you know, there's a really good YouTube video on this and that. And also having eyes and ears uh, globally as well. You know, I alluded to it earlier about the Middle East and Asia being, a, you know, a, a phase further in terms of venturing into live events and just offering that best practice that's already being put in place for when they're ready to venture into live events. I think that's also really key as well. I think I've tried to write quite a lot on LinkedIn about have you thought about this? Think about that. What do we need to be thinking about? And just kind of get the kind of cogs going in the mind around once we once we arrive at that, you know, what's the thinking behind it and trying to lend from those that are already doing it or doing it now. Yeah. So if we've got those kind of global eyes or we've got clients or colleagues that are doing things in different parts of the world and they're already experiencing that it's about kind of sharing that and 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 helping them to be prepared for when for when the time comes I think I think that's a key one as well (laughs) totally totally agree um well yeah you keep doing what you're doing it's working and I think lots of people are are getting a lot of value from it Um, so thank you so much for sharing your time with us today I know how precious that is Um, and yeah let us know where can people find you Michelle where's the best place for them to to hit you up so my website is www.theconferencedirector.com and also I'm on LinkedIn just pass by always on LinkedIn so my LinkedIn profile is Michelle Fannis Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining and enjoy the rest of your week and I will speak to you soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Michelle. Bye. Squadcast. The Tag Digital Podcast. Your go-to podcast for the latest event, PPC News and Trends. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and a massive thanks to both Laura and Michelle for their time and input. 
As always, if you have any questions about anything mentioned in the podcast, please feel free to get in touch via our social channels, so that's at Tag Digital Global or via the website at tagdigital.co.uk. Johnny and I will be back for episode three, where we'll be giving you some tips on how to boost your event ROI with your event marketing campaigns. See you next time. The Squadcast. Your go-to podcast for the latest event PPC news and trends. Squadcast by Tag Digital.